So welcome to today's interview with Jenny Ainsworth as part of the Lockdown Leadership Conference Making Hybrid Work Season. Now, I love talking with Jenny. She is a leadership and motivation consultant, and she really knows how to get to the nub of what we're avoiding. So it sets us free to actually be able to inspire people more effectively. Okay, and Jenny's approach is no nonsense, but full of compassion. What we're going to be talking about today with her down to earth style is how to motivate our hybrid teams, how to create a team charter for hybrid working so that everybody feels involved and included, and it doesn't create a two-tier society. We're going to look at really understanding team member needs, and we're going to look at building flex and fluidity into your leadership style, including her three essential words that every leader needs to know, whether it's hybrid working or any other form of decision. The Soul Led Leaders podcast is for corporate leaders who are making waves and changing the rules with their hearts, not just their heads. But they know that their secret 3am self-talk is getting in the way. Where others stress about the status quo, you're the action taker who drives the changes and making a difference and being a crusader is hardwired into your DNA. The Soul Led Leader podcast is here to help. Led by Claire Yosa, law changer, eight times author, and international speaker, each episode is designed to help you to clear out the secret glass ceilings you never realized you'd put in your own way so that you can step up, showing up with all of who you really are and reclaim your power to make the difference you know you are really here to make in the world with clarity, confidence, and passion. So Jenny, a huge welcome to you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, I'm delighted to be here. It's been a fantastic conference, so needed and so timely. So I'm really pleased to be part of it. Thanks, Claire. You're very welcome. So Jenny, before we start, a question I've never actually asked you. How did you get to do what you do now? Oh, good grief. Um, I think uh, my last corporate position um, uh, was at Disney, actually. I was the European training manager for Disney. So we used to get a lot of, uh, bring in a lot of consultants and, and different people. And I got to the stage where, and this sounds incredibly showy offy, and being British, we don't like people who show off. But um, uh, the people that we were paying to come into the business, I just felt a lot of the time that what they were doing was very tame very sort of phoning it in it wasn't bespoke enough it was a case of this is what I've got and I'll sort of make it fit and I just got to the stage where I thought I don't think people are asking the right questions of the businesses to really find out what's needed and it also coincided with me hitting the big 30 so that milestone time and I just thought you know I'm going to to go out and and give it a bash of being a consultant in my own right and try to be the consultant that I'm longing for within businesses and I gave myself a year that was 20 years ago so And I love that. And it's funny what you say, because 30 was actually the year I jumped out of my corporate role as well to set up my business too. And as you say, you you don't look back. No. Absolutely. So Jenny, talk to me about motivation. Okay. Because a lot of people that I'm talking with at the moment are in survival. Mm. They can't even imagine thriving. And when you talk to leaders, they're so busy trying to work out the how of how we can make hybrid work that the thought of being required to also motivate their teams. Interesting, you know, the sort of Disney link, they start thinking that they've got to behave like some kind of cartoon character. Yeah. Can you help us understand what you mean by motivating teams and how somebody can do that without having to be super high energy? Yeah, absolutely right. Because that's I'm so glad you picked up on that. Very often when we think about motivation and and 
you know, we've got to be high energy, as you say, to use a Disney link. It, it, people automatically think Tigger. And then we've got to be this sort of fabulous manager that's, that's sort of doing all of this. Well, that's a kindergarten um, uh, teacher. Um, and the thing is with motivation, all of us are on a spectrum. Some of us, you know, if we think of it on, on a scale of one to ten, some of us need to be on an eight, to feel that we can do even just to get out of bed on a morning. Some of us actually can be a little bit lower down, might be on a three, and that is perfectly acceptable for them to get up and to be their best. But the fact of the matter is we are all unique individuals. So leaders have got to find, where are you now? How is that in terms of your usual base mark and your benchmark? Are you feeling demotivated? Are you sort of there or thereabouts? And rather than, okay, we've got to get you to 10, you know, that we've got to get you completely motivated. It's very much what would better look like? Because if you are feeling on a three out of 10 and that you really want to be much, much higher up, that seems too far out of reach. And that's when actually we can push people away rather than what would a four look like and feel like? Let's let's get you to that because then we feel we're, we're capable of achieving a bit more. Then we can look at what five looks like. So it really is a spectrum, I think. And uh, and it's helping leaders help their people know where they are on that spectrum, and that, that, that sliding scale and what needs to happen to nudge them up a little bit. So I absolutely love this because there are some people who throughout lockdown, for example, have been juggling carer responsibilities. Some people have been trying to educate their children at the same time. Yeah. And that level of motivation is going to look very different to somebody who has been thriving potentially are there yes. secret warning signs that we as leaders can look for that motivation has dropped with a team member and it might be time for us to have a chat with them without making them feel guilty and bad yeah I think the the one thing that I, I really encourage leaders to be is uh, to be detectives you're always piecing together a crime scene <laughs> And by that, you know, it's notice how people usually respond in emails and when they're on camera and, and how much they contribute in team meetings. Notice when it doesn't seem to be there. Notice when people are ever so slightly snippy or a bit more abrupt, um, because that's when, again, it's the, the, the telltale signs that somebody's just feeling Ever so slightly, snippy is the word, I think, but but snippy, if, if we don't manage that, that then becomes hugely overwhelmed. And, and we all know when we're in overwhelm, sometimes it feels impossible to get out of that feeling. So it's, it's be observant, notice, notice. Leaders have got to notice. And as, as employees and team members, we want to be noticed. That's not micromanage, but I want to feel that you have noticed what's going on with me, you know, and, and noticed when I'm contributing at my best and, and be grateful for that. But notice when I'm dialing it down a little bit, because then I feel valued. This is really, really important because sometimes as a leader or a line manager or even as a colleague, we might notice and we don't want to say anything. So we don't want to cause offence or we don't want to get it wrong. You know, yeah. like that awful yeah. moment where you congratulate somebody on a pregnancy and you just find out it's actually wheat intolerance. Yeah, you don't want to be doing that over somebody's sort of emotional, mental, energetic state. Yeah. And for those of you who've been watching the whole conference, actually, the interview that I did just on Wednesday with Marie Coombs, the mediator trainer. If you don't know how to handle that difficult conversation with someone about their motivation, she has some great tips in there. Go and listen to that one as well. Right. Right. And Jenny. Looking at motivation, if we're looking at the wider team, mm. what are your strategies and recommendations for motivating the whole team rather than just the individuals? What can leaders be looking out to do? 
at the end of the day, you are you are leading the team. That doesn't mean to say that you are making every decision and, and, and everything for the team. Um, together, you have to come to some conclusions together as a team. And so in terms of motivation, uh, we've got to make the implicit explicit. So by that, I mean, we all need to come together and share what's going on inside. What, what, what helps me be at my best? What drives me crazy, which very often we don't tell anybody. We just get sort of a little bit irritated, um, you know, in terms of some of the things that in how people might communicate, etc. But we don't tend to actually ever say anything. We just remain irritated. So I think leaders have got to bring everybody together and say, we're a team, you know, yes, I, I lead it, but we're all part of it together. Um, what needs to happen for you to feel that you are contributing at your best, you're being heard, you're being seen, and you're being at, at your best? What do you need? What do you absolutely not need? And, and, and get people to sort of contribute to that discussion. And there's ways of doing that, which I'll, I'll come to. But then it becomes a collective, collaborative discussion and collaborative decision, which is, OK, these are the things that we're pulling out, which, which uh, are going to help all of us be at our best for one another. That's fantastic, Jenny. How can we build that discussion? Because I'm really curious. Yeah. So here's the thing. Um, very often, I think, you know, we need to, to take some things on board as a leader. And, and I've always encouraged leaders to say, if there was just one thing that you would like me to either start doing or stop doing or perhaps do a bit more, what would it be? And, you know, the first time I was I was told this when I was a leader, I can remember feeling a little bit, mm, I don't know what I want to ask them that. And, you know, and, and the coach who I was working with said, well, what, what, they're really quite innocuous questions, you know. Uh, and I said, oh, but what happens if they say, well, you can start looking for another job? That would be really helpful to me. <laughs> and the coach said, I honestly don't think they will. I think they will come up with things that are so innocuous that will never have crossed your radar because they are not important to you. And so you won't see them. And actually, they were completely right. And it has never failed me since. And it's never failed me with, with other people. Um, and it, it will be things like how often we meet you know, emails, you know, meetings, there'll be really innocuous things. And the, the, so that's the first part, because then as a leader, I am asking you, I am listening, and I am acting. And that in and of itself, I have found has brought me and my teams together, because they have a sense of thank you. Thank you for actually asking my opinion. Thank you for honouring it. And it has been really rare and I mean so rare that somebody has asked something that I thought I just cannot fundamentally do that at all there might be elements that I think oh, I can't do it all but let's have a talk about it so if there's anybody cynical listening in you know think yes but what happens if they ask it's so rare and I haven't seen it so that's the first part as a leader uh, which is is sort of asking those sorts of things however we've got to think about the people in our team I'm a really fast thinker. So if somebody says to me, what do you want, you know, one thing that you would love for me to start? I would think, um, do you know what? And, and I would be able to think like that. Somebody who's a bit more of a reflector, somebody who needs time to process will go. 
And then you sort of we're sitting here thinking, mm, hello, are you there? You know, anybody there? And and we need to give people their thinking time that that they personally need in order to give us the treasure. You know, so sometimes if you are going to be running a meeting like this or or um, asking uh, your team members to contribute and to say, this is what motivates me. This is what irritates me. This is what I'd love to see. There are some people who if you gave them a heads up a couple of days before, they're not going to look at it until the day because they're the fast thinkers. But the the more reflective people, they need to feel that they can contribute in that meeting. So maybe if we can give them a couple of days notice to think, reflect and come with their thoughts, then everybody's able to contribute on an equal level at the same time. Absolutely. And also that understanding that you can give me feedback and it's not going to limit your career. (laughs) Yes, exactly that. Exactly that. And actually, that's a really valid point, because, um, you know, if we I've often said said to people, if somebody just sort of grabbed you in the corridor, do you remember when people would grab you in the corridor in days of yore? But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) um, and, and said to you, hi, can I just give you a bit of feedback? You know, what would be your initial response? And most people, sort of 90% of the time, their initial response is, "Uh uh-oh, this is going to be be negative. So even though we talk about feedback and having a feedback culture, it still resonates in that part of the brain of, oh, what what are you going to tell me? So these these are really simple questions that we can ask, which encourage people to, to give feedback in a positive way, but recognize, as you say, that it's going to be used in a positive way rather than used, you know, having a petulant response or a pushback or, or a, a dismiss. And I think that's really useful as well in terms of building a feedback culture. Absolutely, absolutely. And realizing that feedback is not personal. And what I love about what you were discussing there is it's about it's about actions and behaviors rather than you as a leader it's not about you as a person yes exactly so so looking at how to bring all of this together I know you talk about a team charter for getting buy-in and helping to motivate people can you tell us a bit more about that yeah so I talk a little bit about what are the things that we need to consider in terms of how we're going to operate we're a group of individuals who are coming together and are contributing at a team level. So let's have a think about things like, how often do we want to meet? Um, uh, And for how long? And why? Uh, Why are we meeting? What is the purpose of meeting? And I, I promise you, if we say to people, why do you have a team meeting? Very often they say it was to update and it's to um, to keep people you know informed of what's going on. That is not an answer to the question because to keep people updated, we have intranet sites, we have emails, we have everything going out. So why are you bringing this group of people together on a Tuesday at ten o'clock? <laughs> so it's really thinking why are we doing it? You know what are, what are the outputs? What are the outcomes that we're trying to get to? Um, and then to share things like. Uh, a little bit about our own preferences, how we prefer to be communicated with. Some people say, please just pick up the phone. Honestly, I will always, always answer your call. I'd rather do that than, than have an email. Other people say, I haven't picked up the phone in seven years. Don't call me because I will look at it in absolute abject horror. <laughs> Who's this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. But we don't. So we tend to communicate in a way that suits us. 
But if we're trying to get the best out of other people, if I'm aware that Claire um, is, is working from home, she has to do the school run. So actually, um, there's not a great deal of point in trying to get a, a response from Claire before 9.30. Uh, that helps me because I think, what time is it? OK, she's not home yet, so I'll either manage it myself or I'll wait a few minutes. Then we're being honouring and respectful of everybody's communication styles, honouring of people's working times and when they can be at their best and when not. So it's not set in stone a team charter, but I, I recommend things like communication, meetings, um, how we're going to hold ourselves accountable to this. And everybody hates the word accountable, but it's almost, if we're doing this, we're doing it and it's for us and it's to make it us successful. So if we notice that things are drifting again, what are we going to do? What's what are going to be the drift signs? So we keep it fluid and flexible and working for us. And it's had so many great results in all the teams that I've worked with and across different businesses, because so often, like I mentioned earlier, the things that we hold inside are very implicit. We just assume that other people know when we make the implicit explicit. It's so helpful to everybody. Absolutely. Because as part of a team, we generally don't go out there with a mission to upset each other. Yeah. <laughs> so if we can understand what people's needs are, then we can accommodate as many of them as we reasonably can. Yeah. And one of the things I'm seeing a lot in organizations at the moment is companies saying, right, everybody's in two days a week in the office, make it work. And one of the things we touched on before we came on air today, Jenny, is the difference between true hybrid working and just flexible working. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, flexible working for me is much, much more around, you know, I am going to just work from home, but I'm going to do early morning until 8.30. Then I'm going to take a couple of hours off um, because that works for me better. I'm going to be dialing in on the evening, doing all of that. And I'm going to come into work one day a week. So all of that lovely flexibility is great. Um, hybrid working, there are definitely similarities, but a hybrid working is saying if, if, if you are at your best and if you contribute and perform at your best, everybody wins. You win. The team wins. I win as a leader. Our business wins. So what does that look like for you? Um, does that mean that you are going to be in the, the office for five days a week? You know, what does it look like? And really exploring that uh, in the best possible way. Um, so that there are definitely some similarities, but I think we need to be clear about what true hybrid uh, working really means. Absolutely. As you say, you know, if somebody actually finds that they're massively more productive at home than arbitrarily dragging them into the office just to sit in the office with the same laptop and check the same emails doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. No. And what you talked about earlier, Jenny, about having that intention behind things like a team meeting, if you're going to ask people to all be in the office on the same day is give them a reason. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> it, it's not just presenteeism. Yeah. And something else that's really important to me at the moment is I think a lot of organizations haven't quite sussed that September is still going to be really tricky for people, for example, with school aged children. Mm. You know, this this diktat of you're in the office two or three days a week. Well, at the moment, a lot of the old commuter trains are still not running on the timetable, which has really mm. messed up the commute for people. 
a lot of schools are still not offering the wraparound care that we used to have. The childminders that we used to rely on, a lot of them have had to quit and go and get other jobs. And also we are still going to be in a position in September where schools will close because people have tested positive for COVID and parents then have to be working from home and homeschooling again. And I think that a lot of organizations haven't quite sussed that yet. Yeah. How do you have any advice if somebody's in a leadership role and they're making these decisions about how to make hybrid work? How can we make sure we don't end up with a two tier workforce where, you know, the classic millennials sort of Gen Z are in the office the whole time getting the opportunities and the promotions and all the working parents are working at home mm-hmm. being completely overlooked? Yeah, we've got to, there's, there's so much to unpick in that. First of all, you know, um, hybrid working is fabulous and people having this great choice, which so so often they didn't have before. But what we need to, to avoid is, um, as you quite say, a divisive workforce where simply because uh, I'm working from home, I'm not having the water cooler moments, the bumping into one another. And, you know, we come together on a Zoom meeting and something's mentioned. And I'm saying, so what's what, what's this? Oh, yeah. Claire and I were just talking earlier. Yeah, it's don't worry, we've sorted it. And all of a sudden there's this tension, you know, so that needs to be absolutely um, addressed. The other thing that you mentioned there in terms of leaders is um, we've got to, hybrid working has got to be hugely flexible and malleable and forgiving, hugely forgiving, because these things could could well happen where um you know somebody a parent a working parent might be back at um at uh, back into the office and all of a sudden you know something's happened class closes down and they have to be working from home for two weeks and we don't want eye rolling and all of that sort of stuff in the, from the rest of the team so i think first of all we need to call the elephant out of the room um, and as a leader, I'd be saying this could happen for Bill, Bob, Mary. You know, we hope it doesn't for, for their sake as much as ours. And if it does, what we need to do is to look at the best way of helping them manage the situation and indeed helping us manage the situation. So let's think about what that might look like before it happens so we can respond rather than frantically react. Um, and I also think that, that in doing that, a leader is, is staying strategic and open and thinking about the potential bumps in the road rather than, you know, originally it was 21st of June. What is it now? 19, 19th of July. Everything's good. We're all good to go because it isn't going to be like that. So let's really have our eyes wide open. Let's really think about what could be a bump in the road how likely is it to happen and what does that require of all of us to deal with it in the best possible way and have that conversation as a collective rather than a leader taking that on board themselves and managing it themselves absolutely and one of the things I'm seeing as a stress response from some leaders is that dictating that imposing and by asking people actually what could you achieve can you actually physically get into the office by nine o'clock anymore? Or does that train simply not exist now? And that breakfast club doesn't exist for the kids, meaning that's no longer an option for you. Or if you had to do it, it would be a very stressful thing involving breakfast time, play dates and all that kind of thing. Talking to people about what they can and can't achieve rather than assuming if you say X number of days in the office for presenteeism purposes and somehow they will make it work. Because one of the things we've certainly found at home was we've had regular discussions, my husband and I, how did we ever make it work with him in London full time? Yeah. And we realized that the way we made it work isn't actually an option for us anymore. And Mm. suddenly him going into the office becomes 
almost like an expedition. <laughs> there yes. are so many pieces to put in place. And whilst we can make that work, what organizations will find is that some employees will start to resent how difficult it's become. Yes. And if we haven't given them a why on what we're asking them to do, then mm. they haven't bought into it. They feel it's imposed on them. Yeah. And they're much more likely to then either underperform or start sending out their CVs. Yes, exactly <laughs> that. I often say resentment is one of the worst um, emotions because it really it's cancerous. It, it, it starts to cloud your judgment, your thinking, everything. When you are resentful about something or something being pushed onto you with no consultation, etc., we can become incredibly, incredibly resentful. And there's, there's a, not a great deal of need for it if we do it right. Absolutely. And it's really important, I think, for leaders not to be scared of asking opinions and yes. asking people to voice their needs, because then we often have that feeling of, oh, my goodness, but, but then somehow I need to please everybody. Well, actually, yeah. we don't. We just need to consider the needs yeah. and agree as a team what would be fair and workable. Yeah. And I've often said to my teams that I want to, to listen and hear what you're all looking for. We'll have to make a decision to, to suit the collective, which means that there'll be some things we will will be doing which will suit some of you. And some of the things we'll do may not suit others. However, I have to make a decision based on everything and at some point put my stake in the ground. And for those of you who it, it, uh, it not negatively impacts, but it's not as great as it is for others, I promise you I will work with you directly to look at, okay, how can we make sure that you can maximise this uh, rather than feel, well, that's just great, that I haven't been considered at all. So again, it's that transparency and, and saying up front, I'll listen to everybody, I'll take on board everything, but at some point I need to make a decision and I will personally work with anybody for whom that decision doesn't fit as, as nicely as perhaps other people. And that's a brilliant way of looking at it, Jenny. And it's also, I think it's important for us to understand as leaders that getting that information from people is probably not going to happen in a team meeting because people will conform to the groupthink. You yeah. know, it takes an awful lot of courage, particularly on a virtual meeting, to put your hand up and say, actually, I'm the only one in the room that can't do this. Yeah. 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 You don't want to create that bad feeling. So it's our job as leaders to make sure that we've connected with what people really need mm -hmm. rather than with what they kind of compromised on, because otherwise that resentment will still be there, even though we've tried to elicit that opinion. Yes, exactly that. Exactly that. OK, so to wrap up, Jenny, because this has just been amazing and I'm aware we're getting close to that half hour point. Phone. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I know that you have a three word strategy. That is vital for leaders in hybrid working and leadership generally. What are those three words and why are they so important? We often say, you know, the little three words, I love you. I have three different ones. I'm not suggesting as leaders we go around and say I love you to our team members. What I am suggesting is these three words, think, feel and do, are so critical to have in your leadership armory. And we should consider this every time we send an email, every time we have a meeting, a team meeting. And it is as a result of me doing this and holding this meeting, what do I want my people to think? What do I want them to feel? And what do I want them to do? And I don't think that we consider those um, enough um, as I mentioned earlier, we always have the team meeting at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday. Everybody gives a bit of an update. Then I share, you know, some things for the week and it's all great. But if I really thought about it, 
Um, we're all fatigued in terms of meetings. I want my meeting to be the best of the week. So I want them to think it is a really good use of their time. I want them to feel that they are able to contribute at a high level. Um, I want them to feel heard, seen, all of those things. And what do I want them to do? I want them to go off feeling inspired and able to do their job better than they, they could do an hour ago. How is the current meeting format serving that? And very often it doesn't. So, again, we need to come back and think, OK, what needs to change? What needs to be different uh, in order for my people to think, feel and do what they need to think, feel and do to be at their best? And those three three things, I promise you, if you, if you apply them to so many different aspects of, of your work life, will make a fundamental difference to motivation, performance and productivity. So I absolutely love this. The concept of what do I need? What do I need to create to allow my meeting to be the highlight of their week? I'm it's not something I'm guessing most of us have ever <laughs> considered in a Zoom kind of like 30 meetings a week. Yeah, but why not? You know, it going back to Disney, you don't have to be Tigger. Yeah, it's no. what do I need them to think, to feel, to do for yeah. this to have been the highlight of their week? Because if they look forward to that meeting, they're going to bring a very different version of themselves. Yes. Exactly Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So, Jenny, just before we wrap up, tell people how they can get in touch with you and how you can help them, what sort of resources you've got for them. I have got, and I put a link into the into the chat and Claire can, can share that as well. I've got three things. First of all, I have a an audio called Fire Up Your Life. And it's got, um, it's an audio um, download and it's also got um, the transcript because some people prefer to read rather than listen. And it's just a 30 minute um, pep talk, punchy pep talk, just to get you thinking about how do I think? How do I approach life? Is it serving me in the best way? Could it be different? Um, I've got a Jen's Gems uh, newsletter, which, again, is just a punchy newsletter that, that comes out just to give you some thinking, some different perspectives to help you in your life and work. And there's also Liberated, which is a 45 minute audio and personal guidebook, which is specifically for women to help them um, sort of shake off the shackles of playing small or serving everybody else before themselves. I absolutely love these, Jenny. So for those of you on the replay, you can find those at jennyainsworth.com forward slash free hyphen resources. And also go and find Jenny on LinkedIn, track her down, connect, let her know what your actions are going to be as a result of listening to or watching this session. And Jenny, to wrap up, firstly, an enormous thank you to you for giving your time, sharing your wisdom. You know, I've been in this field for years and I'm still sitting there wanting to scribble notes. This has been such a useful session. <laughs> If you could share one more thing with people who are managing teams or working with co-workers who want to help them feel motivated without turning into Tigger, what is the one last piece of advice you'd like to share today? Um, dialogue. Keep talking, keep asking, keep listening. What is right for one person in your team is not right for somebody else. We're not expecting you as leaders to bend um, and shape and, and be different for everybody. But if you can give, think of yourself as on a dial, what do you need to dial up for person A? What do you need to dial down for person B? You're still being yourself, but you're you're just making those slight adaptions which enable the other people to, to, to respond in the best possible way to you and to be the best at they can be so just keep talking just keep listening keep acting 
That's absolutely fantastic, Jenny. Thank you so much. Everyone go and find her at jennyainsworth.com or over on LinkedIn. This has been a truly inspirational episode. Show notes, deep dive resources, and access to Claire's inspirational weekly soul-led leaders email is available for you at clareyosa.com forward slash soul-led leaders. 